Have you ever prayed and felt like no one was listening? I think we all have experienced that, whether you believe or not. Well, I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor at Alistair Baptist Church in Sumter, South Carolina. And today, we're going to find the answer to that question, does God really listen to my prayers? Well, good morning, Alistair. I want to say hello to everybody watching online. Hi to everybody at Pacala Church. It's great to see you this morning. With uh, your indulgence, I'm going to be preaching sitting down. Um, uh, I think I have a torn meniscus, um, and I've had one for probably about four to six weeks. Um, so last week I finally broke down and called the doctor, which I think actually is pretty good for a guy. Don't you? I mean, you know, it's only taking me four or five weeks. And, uh, anyway, so I have a doctor's appointment this week and hopefully, uh, he will, uh, tell me what I need to do. Um, so before we begin, I want us to take a moment and pray together because a lot's gone on in our community this week. Uh, we have lost one of our law enforcement officers. Um, we, uh, have experienced, I think, uh, the, the, the season of turmoil around the primary election. And a lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus. All of these are things we should pray about. So let's pray together. Father, you are the God who can do all things. There's nothing too hard for you. And so, Father, we pray as your people that you would stop the spread of this coronavirus flu. Father, that people who have it now would be able to be healed. Father, we pray that no one else would lose their life. And we pray that, that even this virus might be an opportunity for your people to point to you and for you to be glorified. Now, Father, I do want to pray for Corporal um, uh, Gillett's family. I pray, God, that you would comfort them. They're going to have a very stressful day today, a very large public funeral. And I pray, God, that you would give them moments of peace, that you would speak to their hearts, and you would give them grace. And remind us, Father, uh, to not only give thanks, but to pray for those who stand on the front lines for our safety and our protection. And Father, in this season of politics, um, we pray good for our country. But Father, we also pray that you would help us be agents of love. Show us, God, how to love each other the way you've loved us so that we can show even our country there's a different way to live. Now bless us as we open your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we're in this series called Supernatural. Christians believe that there are two realities. There is the reality of the physical world that we live in, and then there is a supernatural world, a world uh, where the spirit is at work. Last week, we talked about miracles. And if you didn't hear last week's message, I really want to encourage you to go to the website and to listen to that one, because these two messages really dovetail. They, 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 they connect, and it would be helpful to you to hear last week's and also this week's. Because today, we want to talk about, does God really listen to our prayers? Now, Christians, Jesus followers, believe that God is all-powerful. He can do anything. God is all-knowing. He knows everything. And God is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at once. That is the amazing part about God. And because we believe that all things are possible, we want to praise God. We want to thank God. 
We want to ask God to forgive our sins. But there are those among us, sometimes skeptics, sometimes followers of Jesus, who they're a little troubled to ask God. They wonder if God really listens to their requests. Now, this is sometimes because we pray and something doesn't happen, right? We don't get the answer we want. But sometimes it's it's hard to pray because we wonder if we have any impact on God at all. I was talking to a man several years ago, and, and I appreciate he was a follower of Jesus, but he was very honest about his doubts. He said, Pastor, I get that I need to praise God. He's great. He's magnificent. I get that I need to thank God for all these done. He said, I even get that I need to ask God to forgive me when I sin. He said, but if God knows everything, and God already knows what he's going to do, what good does it do me to ask God to change his mind? I thought that was a pretty good question. Can we ask God to change what he's going to do? I want to invite you to open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus, a very easy book in the Bible to find. It's the second one. Chapter 32, kind of toward the end of the book. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little background. If you grew up in church, you've probably heard this story. And even if you didn't, you probably have seen the movie. Because God had a people, they were called Israel, and they were slaves in Egypt. God called his servant Moses to go down, speak to Pharaoh, say to Pharaoh, let my people go. You remember this? Okay. And so Moses goes down and says to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's not so keen on that whole idea. And so there's this series of plagues. Pharaoh finally lets the people go. The people go. Then Pharaoh changes his mind and chases the people. God parts the Red Sea. They go through. It's a dramatic miracle. And then about two weeks after that miracle, when they get through the Red Sea and the Red Sea closes and the Egyptian army is destroyed, uh, they get to this place. There's no water. And they start grumbling. How long does it take to forget what God does for you? About two weeks. About two weeks, that's what happened for them. And, and, and there's this kind of tension between Moses and the people, between the people and God. And then finally they get to Mount Sinai and, and God tells Moses, get the people ready. I'm going to talk to them today. And these people, hundreds of thousands of them, hear the audible voice of God. Do you think that was an incredible moment? And God said, I want to make an agreement with you. I will be your God. You will be my people. Here is your part. Don't have any other gods before me. Don't make any graven image, any idol. Don't take my name in vain. Keep the Sabbath. You, have you heard these? Yeah, they're known as the Ten Commandments. And the people are agreeing. They say, everything God says, we will do. But it's a little intimidating, Moses, to have God talk to us this way. So you go up on the mountain, hear what God has to say, come back, tell the rest of us. So Moses goes up on the mountain. You may remember he's up there for weeks. And after a while, these people get impatient. And they begin to say to Aaron, Moses' brother, second in command, what's going on? Where's Moses? We don't know what's happened to him. So, hey, Aaron, how about make us a god? Now, now this is, is strange to us, right? Because we all know any god you make is not worthy 
of following. But are we so smart? I mean, haven't we sometimes made gods out of money or out of stuff? Haven't some of us made a God out of success or made a God out of comfort? And so Aaron should have said what? No. And in one of the most colossal leadership failures ever, Aaron says, well, give me some gold and let me see what I can do. So he gets the gold from the people that they had gotten from the Egyptians and he, he, he casts a golden calf. We're even told that he had a tool and he fashioned it. And then he said, behold, here is your God who led you out of slavery. And the people get really pumped about this. They start worshiping, big feast, and God knows what's going on. And God says to Moses, get up we got to interrupt our conversation. You've got to get down the mountain. You've got to go. The people are running wild. And this is where we pick up the story starting in verse 9. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses. They are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. Now, what unfolds is a prayer. It doesn't seem to start like a prayer, does it? But remember, prayer is a conversation. It means not only are you talking, but you're listening. It's listening and talking. And if God starts talking, what should you do? Start listening. How many of you stop when you begin to hear a message from God and say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. God's talking to Moses. And some surprising things are going on here. We, we hear that God is angry. Do you think he's got a right to be angry? This is a little bit like coming home from your honeymoon Going back to work the first day, coming home and finding your spouse in bed with somebody else. Yes, God's got a right to be angry. This surprises some of you because some of you think that God is just a rock and he doesn't really have feelings or emotions. But over and over in the Bible, we see that God does have emotions. Sometimes he has joy. Sometimes he has anger. Sometimes he is sad. God here is angry. And, and he begins to, to share that anger with Moses. How close do you have to be with God from Moses, for God to tell you that he's angry? Now, I think God here is actually helping Moses. And he gives us an important reminder. When we pray, pray about the real issue. A lot of times we ask God to just fix the problem which is a little bit like putting duct tape around a hole in the pipe, right? If you put duct tape around a leaking pipe, will it stop leaking? Ah, some of you have tried it. It may stop for a moment, but there's still pressure in the system. What do you need to do? You need to replace the pipe. So God is going to share with Moses exactly how he feels 
the real issue. When you pray, pray about the real issue. This is setting Moses up. Um, After church one Sunday, I had a man stop me and said, Pastor, would you pray with me? Of course. It's always my answer. I want to pray with people. And and I said, what what do you want us to pray about? He said, pray my wife will come back. She's left me. Man, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, Yeah, just pray she'll come back, Pastor. Well, before we get there, why did she leave you? And he said, she left me because she said, I, I don't pay attention to her. And I said, well, do you? And he said, well, every night when I come home, I ask her how she is, and then I go watch the ball game. Now, see, it's real interesting. I've done this all three services. Every guy here is going, yeah, right. What's the problem? And every woman is saying, exactly. No wonder she left him. So what's the real issue? So I said... I'm going to pray that you become the kind of man that won't ignore your wife. And he said, I just want you to pray for her to come back. (laughs) I don't think we know really what to pray for until we ask God what we should pray for. What's the real issue? In your prayers, pray and ask God what's the real issue. And when you pray, don't only ask him what the real issue is. Ask for a close connection so that you can see as he sees. Now, God, interestingly, gives Moses some choices here. It doesn't sound like it to our ears, but they are real choices. God says, leave me alone. Have you ever noticed sometimes when people say, leave me alone, they don't mean it? Like, you know... Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. Are you sure? Yes. You want to talk about it? No. Does anybody have trouble understanding this? That they really want to talk about it? And, and, and sometimes we forget that that's a shadow invitation. This is what God is doing for Moses. He's actually giving him an, an invitation to say, But, you know, if you want to stay and talk, it's okay. This is a common way that they would invite conversation in the ancient Near East. They would say, leave me alone. And it actually meant stay and talk. But there's more to this in there. God says to Moses, I'm going to consume these people. Literally, I'm going to eat them. That's what it means. (laughs) Yeah, but you understand because we talk about I'm going to eat him alive. I'm going to eat him for lunch. Okay, this is what God is saying. And, and then he says, and I am going to start over with you, Moses. We're going to have not the nation of Israel, we'll have the nation of Moses. Now, do you think that would have been a temptation for Moses? <laughs> I mean, Moses has already dealt with these people and he's been frustrated. But then Moses stops and thinks about the real cost. If God destroys all the people, that means God will destroy Aaron, his brother. If God destroys all the people, that means God will destroy Miriam, his sister, and his nieces, and his nephews, and his clan, and his tribe, and his nation. Could it be 
that God actually is saying, Moses, listen to my invitation. When you pray, listen to God's invitation to you. It means you've got to stop and listen. God may be saying to you, look, let's talk this over. God may be saying to you, look, I know what you're asking for, but if, if we just kind of talk this out, you're going to see this from a different viewpoint. God may be saying to you, look, I want you to actually pray and intercede for people. Now, what does it mean to intercede for people? To intercede means you are praying on behalf of someone else. Most of our prayers are centered on ourselves. I want to give you a good rule of thumb. This is not in the Bible. It's just some wisdom. For every minute that you pray for yourself, spend another minute praying for somebody else. If you spend five minutes praying for your stuff, spend five minutes praying for somebody else's stuff. What would life be like if we actually did this? We might have to come up from our self-centered focus and see people as Jesus sees them. So Moses begins to intercede. Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against this, your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. It's a very powerful prayer. Listen to how it is set up. We're told that Moses seeks the favor of God because Moses realizes he's not, he's not praying to an equal. This is language of the royal court. You, Moses is going before God, the heavenly king, and he's asking to God to do what only God can do. God has no obligation to answer Moses. And that's why Moses seeks his favor. It always makes me nervous when people say, God owes me. God owes you nothing. Amen. It doesn't mean that God doesn't listen to you. It doesn't mean that God will not respond to you. But God is not doing that out of a sense of debt or obligation. And here's the second thing that's really interesting to me. We're told that Moses seeks the favor of the Lord his God. It's a very small, but very important thing to recognize. He's not praying to the God of the people. He's not praying because God, you're the God of Israel. He's saying, God, you and I, we have a connection. Years ago, a Baptist pastor made national news when he said, everyone knows God does not hear the prayer of a Jew. Let me tell you what's wrong with that statement. God listens to anybody's prayer he wants to listen to. He's God. We don't get to tell him, God, now don't pay attention to those people's prayer. They're Democrats. Or God, don't pay attention to those people's prayer. They're Republicans. God listens to who he wants to listen to. We do not dictate to him. 
Here's what I do know. When you pray, the closer your connection with God, the clearer your prayer. You know what to ask for. This is what we talked about last week, that when we pray in Jesus' name, we're praying the things that Jesus would pray. We're asking for the things that Jesus would ask for. So this is why knowing Jesus matters. You have a personal connection with God. You are praying to your God. Not somebody else's God, not the God of your grandmother, not my God. You're praying to your God. And, and then the Moses begins his request. And, and, and this is a bold request. He says, God, now, now, why should you be angry? Anybody think that's a dangerous prayer? Yeah, unless you know God really well. Remember? Remember the Bible said that Moses talks to God as a friend, face to face. That is the connection that we need. And then Moses says, God, think about the Egyptians. Think about what they'll say. So God, turn from your anger. Relent. Do not bring disaster. This word relent in some of your translations, like the King James Version, will be translated repent. It almost sounds like God is doing something bad. He's not. This word is translated in this passage as relent means to have compassion on people who do not deserve compassion. Have you ever done that? Anybody ever had compassion on their child when their child did not deserve compassion Any, let me change the question anybody have children yeah our heavenly father does not owe us compassion moses is simply saying god have compassion now this is real important as we get on through this so hold on to that thought and then moses goes on and he says don't you remember your promise god your promise to abraham and to isaac and to israel now now, do you think Moses had to remind God of his promise? Do you think God's up there going, you're right, Moses, I forgot the promise. I forgot I said I would do it. Do you think Moses had to say to God, now, God, don't be angry. God's saying, I'll be any way I want to be. Do, do you think Moses really had to, to pray and say, God, think about what the Egyptians are going to say? So what's really going on here? Why is Moses praying this kind of prayer? Why should you pray this kind of prayer? Well, let's go back. Do you think Moses is angry with the people? I think so. I mean, he's angry on God's behalf and he's angry for himself. These people are difficult to lead. Do you think Moses maybe is a little worried about what the Egyptians will say about him? <laughs> yeah, some leader Moses turned out to be. Let him in the desert, God wiped him out. Do you think maybe Moses is saying, God, look, I'm standing in that same promise that you made to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. So why is Moses praying this kind of prayer? Moses had such a strong connection with God. 
He knew that asking God to relent meant he was volunteering to lead. He would have to keep leading this people. It would have been far easier for Moses to say, I'm done. I'm done. God, yeah, start over. Wipe them out. I'll watch. Let me get some marshmallows. I'll roast them. (laughs) Moses doesn't do that. I think we miss this about prayer. I think we miss that when we pray, we're not just asking God to do everything. Remember that when you pray, you ask God to do what only he can do, and then you volunteer to do what you can do. I've heard it say that all prayer can be summed up with this line from the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. And I think that's true. And what that means is, Lord, I want you to do what only you can do. And Lord, whatever your will is for me to do, I will do that. And so when you're watching television or or, or you're, you're looking at a video on YouTube and one of those commercials comes up about the starving children and you feel moved and you actually pray and you say, God, please help those children have something to eat, you actually remember to skip a meal and donate the money to Compassion International to feed the children. It means... That when you pray for someone to be healed, you call them and check and see how they are doing and say, can I do anything for you? It means that when you have a frustrating teenager, hypothetically, and you pray and you say, God, please change them. You also are volunteering to say, God, change me as a parent. Because you don't parent a five-year-old the same way you parent a 15-year-old. It may mean that when you get stressed by the news and you feel like you need to pray for our country, you remember to also pray for those who don't agree with you politically. Not just that they'll see things your way, but that you will have a chance to love them. Didn't Jesus say, love your enemies? Do good to those who persecute you? And and you're going, well, I don't know that I'm really persecuted by Democrats or Republicans. You will be, so pray for them. Pray and love them. You can start on Facebook. Some of you need to go home and take down some posts. Now, maybe in the lobby, you saw today that we had nails. And we are asking you to get a nail as a reminder to start praying for Pacala. Nail looks a little bit like this. Why are we asking you to do this? Well, we're asking you to do this because we have been given 7.7 acres to build a home for our Pacala campus. It's wonderful. Now we've got to figure out how to build it. And now we've got to figure out when to build it. And now we have to figure out how to pay for it. And I want to tell you some really great news. We have all the money we need to build that building. The challenge is most of it's in your pockets. 
Some of you are saying I clapped too soon. <laughs> but look, folks, let, let's just be honest. Here's the only way I know for our church to pay for a building. We can borrow it. We can have every member donate a kidney. <laughs> or you can give it. All right, all in favor of option two? I see several of you. We have surgeons waiting, okay? <laughs> it means we're going to have to ask God to do a work in our hearts. So this is what we're going to ask you to do. For the next two and a half months, we're going to ask you just to look at this nail, keep it somewhere where you'll pay attention to it. Guys, don't throw it on your, on your workbench. You'll, you'll never remember which nail you're supposed to pray about. But just, just, just hold on to this, put it someplace Pray whenever you see this and just say, God, I'm willing. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. And then on May 17th, a Sunday night, see that cross? We're going to go out. That cross sits on the Pacal land. We're going to go out there, have a worship service, and we want the first nails driven to be driven into that cross as a sign that we're asking God to do what only he can do, but we're willing to do what we can do. Now, let me show you the most amazing thing that happens. This is in verse 14. Then the Lord relented. This is the same word we saw in verse 12. Older translations translated as repented. But the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. God does what Moses asks him to do. He does not destroy his people. You see, in this moment of crisis, some of the things Moses said to God sounded an awful lot like some of the praise songs we sing. You are the mighty God. You are the one who is all-powerful. You're the God who keeps your promises. You see, see Moses knew that when he prayed in this crisis, he needed to count on God's character. When you pray, count on God's character. His character is what matters. And the, the distinguishing facet of God's character is that he loves people. He is just he is fair, but he is also kind and patient and generous, and he loves his people, and that's what Moses is counting on. And whenever you are afraid that there is an angry God who means you harm, remember, above all else, that God loves you. Now, it's up to you whether you accept it or not. But if you count on God's character, it makes all the difference. This is why praise is an important part of our prayer. Praise is not just coming here, singing songs, raising our hands. Praise is saying to God in our prayers, God, I, I know you're loving. I know you're faithful. I know you do amazing things. It reminds you who you're talking to, the character of our Heavenly Father. So when you pray, does God really listen? Yes. I mean, that's what this passage says. Moses prays, 
God relents. Now, I know this message is with some of your minds because some of you, you have the idea that God's will is static. That, that what it means to be in God's will is, is something that's permanent and fixed. And some of you even think like this. You've told me, you said, well, sometimes I wonder if I should have married that girl in high school. And, and I'll ask you why. why. Why do you think that? Well, you know, things at home aren't that great. And, you know, I just wonder if I miss God's will. Okay, let me tell you, God's will is rooted in his character. God wants what is best for you. And if God has provided a spouse for you, then your part, what you're volunteering to do, is to do your best to make this work. Now, some of you are saying, well, that's not my problem, preacher. My problem is that I think I married somebody and that wasn't God's will. Okay, I get that, totally get that. But how about starting by saying, God, help me see if I can make this work. I'm going to tell you, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. But when you do your best, you can find out a sweet release when God says, yeah, this is not right for you. I know some of you want to quote all kind of theology to me and all that kind of good stuff. Here's the main point I want you to understand. When you pray, remember God's will is more about his character than about a linear plan. God's will will flex with your mistakes. God's will will accommodate to your wrong choices. This is why some of you have not been willing to follow Jesus and be baptized because you're afraid you'll have to do everything perfect from there on. Let me tell you the truth. You won't. You absolutely will not do everything perfect. And God, in his amazing wisdom, in his character, constantly will adjust. So he makes the best path for you because that's what you do when you love someone. If you need proof of this, that this is the way that God really operates, look at this table. This is the reminder that God's best and perfect plan for human beings was to be connected with them forever in the garden. And how long did it take us to mess that up? Days. Days. And did God then say, you messed it up. You're out of my will. I'm going to blow you up. Start over. No. No, that is not the character of of our God. Our God says, okay, I knew this was going to happen. Now I will make the way for a savior. I will bring my son into the world at just the right time. He will die on a cross so that people who accept that gift will have a connection with me. And so that we will be connected. We will be in community. I will be their God. They will be my people. That's why we come to the Lord's Supper table today to be reminded that not only does God listen to our prayers, God answers them with his best. And his best is Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for this service from Alice Drive Baptist Church. Alice Drive is one church with two locations. We have a location at the corner of Wise Drive and Loring Mill Road in Sumter. That location has services at 8.30 on Sunday morning, which is a traditional service. 
two contemporary services, one at 9.45 and one at 11, and then a service on Monday night for people who can't make it on Sunday, and that service is at 7 o'clock. We also have a location called Pocala Church. It meets in Pocala Springs Elementary School on Bethel Church Road in Sumter. That location has two services at 9.45 and 11. I hope we will see you in person very soon. I'm Clay Smith, the lead pastor at Alice Drive Baptist Church in Sumter. Check us out at alicedrive.org. God bless you. Hope to see you soon.